What's up, Let's world? Go. What do you do when <laughs> devastation invades? If you know the truth, it'll make you free. How do you move on? And whom the sun sets free, day, your life is free indeed. 24 hours, everything has drastically changed. As difficult as it may be, we must if evaluate what is lost and what is lost. Trapped in the bondage of what you used to Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's Pastor Free, and listen, I'm mega excited that you're locked in to another Free Indeed Friday. Please be sure to share with your friends and your family. Get them logged onto the podcast, and all y'all gonna fool around and get a blessing. Listen, there's a word designed for you that very well might set you free. Laughter is just good medicine. This one is called Donations. Father O'Malley answers the phone. Hello, is this Father O'Malley? It is. This is the IRS. Can you help us? I can. Do you know Ted Houlihan? I do. Is he a member of your congregation? He is. Did he donate $10,000 to the church? <laughs> he sure will. <laughs> Better life So I've known you for a while, but I know sometimes it just doesn't show.
Chapter four, Saul's armor isn't for me. So once I understand God's love for me, and once I understand God is not tripping about my past, and once I'm confident that God has a plan for me, then the hard work begins. I have to learn how to love and embrace me. I had to learn the hard way that God loving me and me loving me are two completely different things. Sadly, long after I grasped the concept that God loved me, I still thought he wanted me to be more like someone else. I understood I had a purpose, but I was blinded by the success of others and sought to fulfill my purpose. But through their process, God would have to work in my heart to show me that I couldn't possibly use their roadmap if we had two different destinations. I would have to learn and become comfortable with the fact that what worked for others might not work for me. The realization would be further complicated by people who would try to impose their opinions of success and ministry on me. To be honest, I wasted some time. I failed a time or two. I fractured and forfeited some potential fruit. I lost some confidence while trying to be what I felt I had to be for God to find pleasure in me. However, in time, I would learn what I have come to call the Saul's armor lesson. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find the classic story of David defeating Goliath. Wow, we can become easily amazed at the idea of a teenager defeating an extraordinarily large man. And furthermore, the fact that he used a slingshot to do it. There is also a great message in what he did not use. In verse 38 of that chapter, Saul gave his armor to young David. Saul was a great warrior in his own right, and he was preparing this young man to do battle as he would. However, David immediately understood how uncomfortable and out of place he was in Saul's armor. He knew that if he was going to be victorious, he would have to be comfortable in his own attire and arsenal. Although Saul's armor had given victory to Saul, it simply would not produce the same results for David. As a matter of fact, he would more than likely experience defeat stumbling around in gear that was not comfortable for him. As a young preacher, I grew up admiring the preaching of the late Reverend C.L. Franklin. To this day, there's something magical that happens in my heart when I hear his voice on recordings. My ultimate desire was to command a crowd and dissect the text as he did. Naturally speaking, growing up under a prolific and popular pastor preacher, I often wanted to imitate Pastor A.W. Anthony Mays as well. I could go on and on for days listing my preaching heroes at that time and those I still respect to this day. At the time of this writing, I am grieving the recent loss of Dr. Gardner C. Taylor. I grew up as a part of a generation of young preachers who observed and then imitated the great ones we saw go before us. Some of my peers have done extremely well and experienced some great success with the same style and strategy as our preaching heroes. However, God impressed upon my heart that I was to be inspired by them 
but not to imitate them. The ministry God had given them was for a specific time and audience, and the ministry that he had birthed in me would appeal to a different group. My ministry would be no better or worse than their ministry. It would just be different with a different target audience. I constantly received the word that I would slay my share of giants in my lifetime, but perhaps it would be done with a slingshot and not Saul's sword. If this was true, I needed to spend some serious time understanding my proverbial sling. I needed to become familiar with my strengths and the weapons in my arsenal. This pursuit is only built upon the foundational truth that God loves me and created me with a purpose. We must believe that all of us have something of value. In Matthew chapter 25, all three men were given talents. While it is true that they varied in value, each one had something. In this same way, every person has been given a gift. We may not have something grand or coveted by the world, which is Saul's armor, but we all have something that when put into the hands of God becomes sufficient and significant. That's David's sling. In the contemporary church, we tend to value and celebrate gifts that are very visible and command the stage. Consequently, those who don't sing or preach may begin to see themselves as insignificant. Sadly, others have tried to force themselves into those positions without the assignment or anointing to do so. However, we must all get to the point in our faith walk that we become secure and settled in understanding and utilizing whatever God has given us. The Bible is filled with significant people who were not necessarily in the spotlight, but they used what they had for the glory of God. Aaron was not Moses, yet Moses could have never accomplished his assignment without the assistance of Aaron, who didn't try to steal or sabotage, but gave his best service in his area of strength. At the end of the day, the only way to fully maximize your potential or make a unique impact in the world, your organizations, ministries, families, etc., is to operate in your own uniqueness and assignment. This may mean experiencing criticism, ridicule, and loneliness, but the impact that comes from embracing who we are and who we are not is invaluable. Free rent. I'll be honest while running the risk of this coming back to haunt me. <laughs> this will surely give ammunition to friends in the fraternity of faith. But here goes. One of my biggest struggles in the past 10 years has been walking in my assignment while watching my contemporaries live the life on the path to the dreams we all shared as boy preachers. I am proud to say I'm a part of perhaps one of the greatest preaching classes in the history of the African-American church. Don't believe it, just watch. <laughs> there were several of us all around the country that started in the gospel ministry as young boys and young teenagers. We all looked up to those great ones we observed in convention halls and evangelizing all over the country. We all had the same ambition to one day be what we saw. 
Upon graduating college, I felt God tugging on me in a direction that was slightly different than what I had always seen. Sure, I'd been exposed to some ministries that were outside of my Baptist box, but for the most part, it was the things God shared with me directly that agitated my ambition. As the vision for the Abundant Life Church began to take form, it was obvious that what God was calling me to was drastically different than what I had always known. To appeal to a new crowd, I would have to minister with a new flair and flavor. I started to embrace this call, even if it meant being ostracized by some who did not understand it. God gave immediate success, and I believe it was because I dared to be different and obedient to his voice. Another struggle began to emerge sometime later. I began to see my contemporaries gradually walking into what was once a dream. Prestigious pulpits, large ministry campuses, comfortable salary packages, fine suits and fancy automobiles. Meanwhile, I was laboring just as hard with just as much preparation and education, preaching week after week in jeans and chucks and a lease space on the backside of a business park. This was and at times still is a major struggle for me. At times, I want to fight in Saul's armor. At times, I want to be real in the black three-piece suit preaching to thousands who shower me with gifts and chicken dinners. <laughs> Yet, I must keep in focus that my assignment may be a little different. We all play on the same team, but we may have to play different positions. The aim is to see souls saved, and the process may differ from person to person. The worst thing I can do for myself is to try to be a cheap imitation of someone else. Me valuations. Number one, how do you see yourself as unique or different from others? Number two, what, if any, of your individual differences makes you uncomfortable? Number three, how do you feel your uniqueness could benefit the kingdom of God, your circle or organization? Number four, what unique difference would you change about yourself and why? Number five. How will you develop, sharpen your unique qualities so that they are beneficial? So today I want to give some flowers to my big brother, uh, Pastor Bobby Bullard, um, pastor of the St. Philip Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Um, I can remember meeting Bobby as a boy. Uh, he came to be a member of the Mount Sinai Baptist Church Fellowship when I was just a boy. And I'll never forget Bobby. He had this kind of swagger about himself. I had never seen a grown man wearing a purple suit. And Bobby had on a full purple suit. He had a box and a gold tooth. I'll never forget it. But even back then, I thought he was 
such a cool guy uh, as a boy, just kind of observed the way he dealt with people, uh, seemed to make a friend out of any and everybody. Uh, and at that time, I respected him as, as a man. Uh, he had a friendship with my mother, and I appreciated that I never saw him uh, devalue or disrespect her in any way. And as I grew in ministry, I started to notice how consistently he would encourage me uh, as a boy preacher and growing up to be a teenager and then a young man. Uh, I could remember him, you know, even after he responded to his own call to ministry and starting to preach the gospel. Uh, he was such an encourager and, and so supportive of what God was doing in my life. And he would compliment me and he would encourage me. And at times when he felt like maybe I was kind of getting out the way, he would even uh, correct me. And so at that time, I couldn't call him a friend, I don't think, because he was my elder and I respected him. But the more I grew into manhood, it developed into what I believe was a genuine friendship. Uh, both of our life paths kind of took us into uh, pastoral ministry um, and in pastoral ministry we have been blessed to maintain a sincere bond fellowship and friendship I thank God for uh, you Bobby because uh, I think that every step of the way you've been supportive uh, and if you don't like me you do a good job of hiding it uh, and I believe our love is genuine from time to time we just get together just genuine fellowship to chop it up, to laugh, to encourage one another, to sharpen, to strengthen one another. Uh, but I also want to really thank God for Bobby Bullard because of the father that he is. Uh, Bobby has three sons and I have been inspired and encouraged by the sacrifice and the priority uh, that he has made as far as raising his sons and being in their lives and being at their basketball games and not putting things before fatherhood. It's been a challenge, a plumb line set before me uh, because he's just been an awesome example of how to balance, you know, secular work and pastoral service and fatherhood uh, in proper priority. So, man of God, I want to thank you for being a man of integrity, for being a genuine brother, for being a sounding board, for being a source of encouragement and support. I want to thank you for not being a hater, but for being a congratulator, a motivator, a celebrator, a whole bunch of other haters. Listen, you my brother and I hope you know I'm gonna talk about you like a dog because I love you but I ain't gonna let nobody else talk about you and that's real deal holy feel so pastor Bobby Bullard take these flowers bruh I love you man dopest welcome song ever I promise <laughs> abundant life church what better life in Christ destroy Christ came to give us life abundantly I was searching for healing and I stumbled upon
it's a real life change in Christ. Today, I want to encourage you to check your priorities. I know, I know. We all assume that we know what things come first, second, and third in our lives. However, based on kingdom principles, it's possible that we have placed higher value on lower things. (laughs) Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, that where our treasure goes, that's where our heart lies. What an amazingly convicting principle. You mean to tell me I can gauge a person's priority by their pocket? book? It seems this is exactly what the master taught. The outcome of such an investigation may leave some of us feeling some kind of way. Still, it does not eliminate nor alleviate this kingdom principle. Whatever is most important to me, I will spend the most of my money on. For the sake of grace, let's eliminate our housing. The assumption is that we all need a place to stay and housing can be expensive. Although we can be sure that if a person spends too much money on housing, maybe they're infatuated with being impressive. Once we take that big ticket item from our monthly budget and we truly evaluate where the rest of our money goes, our God starts to emerge. Are we going broke behind a car note? Maybe that car has our heart. Do we spend a ton of money on drugs or alcohol? Maybe this habit has become our God. Does my money go to clothes and shoes? Then materialism and being fashion forward have become a deity to me. The principle is simple. Whatever gets your money has your worship. If God is truly my creator, my provider, my keeper, my priority, then my money should indicate that. How much does he get? As a matter of fact, how would I I feel if I was constantly giving to someone and they never gave anything to me in return. Surely we make God feel some kind of way because he gives us 100% of what we have and we grumble and complain about returning 10%. I encourage you today to take a look at your spending and it will show you what your true priorities are. If not, The Bible is a lie, and I just don't believe that. This is not just another preacher begging for money. 
but I am another preacher reading my Bible and telling the world what it says. And I'm all right with that. All right, friends, unfortunately, it's time for us to get up out of here. Let the church say, aww. Anyway, you got it. Listen, if you're blessed by the ministry of Free Indeed, make sure that you take time to go by and visit our Facebook page, Free Indeed Ministries on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter. The handle is at Free Indeed Men. And for all things Free Indeed Ministries, I'm talking books, music, movies, the whole nine. Visit our ministry website, www.freedeedministries.com. That's free, the letter N, deedministries.com. Listen, you need to stay connected, stay linked in, stay locked in to what the Lord is doing through Free Indeed Ministries. I love you.